everyone thank you so much for once again tuning in to another edition of main event heat i am your host rob weathers last week we interviewed outlandish zicky dice today we are going to talk about the current events in professional wrestling as of the first half of the month of august in 2021 a lot of amazing stuff has happened over the last couple of weeks setting up some really potentially really cool things to happen here in the future And I wanted to take this episode to talk about those. I wanted to do this last night because a big part of what we're going to talk about and and it's what I'm about to open up with here in a moment is AEW just debuted their new show, Rampage. Like I said, I wanted to record this last night, but already right out of the gate, one of the things that I'm not a huge fan of about Rampage is being on the East Coast, 10 o'clock on a Friday night on TNT. I can think of a lot of other things I'd rather be doing at 10 o'clock on a Friday night. Like I said, I tried to record this last night. I was just so fatigued, I couldn't even get through a couple of minutes of recording. So here I am now. I've got my coffee. Let me go ahead and take a sip real quick. All right, ready to go. Let's talk about AEW Rampage live from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, The show opens up with the Impact title match between Kenny Omega and Christian Cage. I'm not a huge fan of the fact that they didn't have an Impact wrestler wrestling for the Impact title. I'll talk a little bit more about that later, but I do like that at least Christian does have that connection with Impact being a former NWA champion. The show starts, we're going to open up with this match. Um, We've got our broadcast team, which is Excalibur, Chris Jericho, World's Strongest Man, Mark Henry, and Taz. I really love the banter between Jericho, Henry, and Taz throughout the show. Uh, There was a bit that they were doing talking about Canadian heat being better than regular heat (laughs) during this opening match. I thought that was really funny. Uh, Excalibur Excalibur was definitely, he had a job. His job was to be the play-by-play guy, be the straight man, keep the show on the rails. I think he did a pretty good job. I personally prefer Excalibur in the one-man commentary role, like kind of like how he's done a lot in PWG. I just think that that better suits him. He's he's kind of like a Joey Styles in that sense. Like you can put Joey with another guy, but like it was better whenever it was just Joey. And that's how I feel about Excalibur. And it's kind of odd watching Dynamite every week and he's on there with with Tony and Jim and it's just like it's, it's kind of a it's a weird dynamic. I think that it actually kind of worked better here because he was the clear play-by-play guy. As to where on Dynamite you have JR and Tony who made their careers off of being play-by-play guys, and they're all just kind of figuring out who's calling what match. This, it was it was, it was, was a little more straightforward. Four men in the booth, kind of a lot. I don't feel like they stepped on each other's toes a whole hell of a lot, but, you know, just, just as a commentator, I did like, like I said, I liked a lot of the banter. Hopefully, it's not going to stay as four men here in the future. I think that Mark Henry did a good job in commentary, but they also had him doing the backstage interview stuff, which I didn't think he was that great at. Uh, he seemed to stumble a lot and couldn't exactly find his words. But outside of that, I love the broadcast team. You also had Dasha doing the ring announcing as opposed to Justin Roberts. I really like Dasha's style. She's not as over the top as Justin Roberts is, and that's 
that's kind of how I am as a ring announcer as well. My favorite ring announcer is Lillian Garcia because she was just good at her job. She didn't have any gimmicks. She didn't have to go up there and say anybody's name funny. She just got up there, did her thing, and got the fuck out. And she was really, really good at it. And, and I kind of hold Dasha in similar regards. I think she's she's really good as a ring announcer as well. Uh, we also have referee Brian Hebner doing the, the refing in this match, which makes a lot of sense. He's an impact ref. This is an impact title match. I thought that did add a little bit of legitimacy to what we were seeing. The match starts... And one of the first things that you notice, and it's all throughout this show, it was all throughout this week's episode of Dynamite, this Pittsburgh crowd loves them some AEW. Oh my god, they single-handedly elevated so much about both Dynamite and Rampage, just because they were behind it 100% of the time. If only... Every town was like this. It's such a stark contrast to like one of the first wrestling shows I ever went to was in Lafayette, Louisiana. Lafayette, Louisiana is probably the worst wrestling crowd in the world. They're famous for a few years ago whenever Gargano and Aleister Black and Ricochet and I think Tommaso Ciampa all debuted on Raw at the same time they did it in Lafayette. And the people in Lafayette were, like, dead quiet the entire time. Like, didn't make a single sound. That's par for the course. Whenever I was there, the only people that they made any noise for was Sasha Banks and Roman Reigns. Uh, Tennille Dashwood, she was Emma at the time. She had just made a return. She had done the whole Emmalina thing. That didn't work for whatever reason. She disappears again for another couple months. She just returned as Emma. And everybody in the crowd sitting on their hands. I feel like I'm the only person making any noise about it. But... You know, and that's such a stark contrast to Pittsburgh. I don't think I've ever been in a crowd, personally, that was that hot. And it just made me wish I was there. That is That just goes to show you how important a crowd is to a professional wrestling show. Now let's talk about the actual match. I feel like I've set this up enough. Uh, the match was great. It was it was a tale of two matches. The the beginning half, the, it's it's very much a feeling out process. Trading strikes, trading holds, just kind of you know little stuff going back and forth, just enough to keep everybody invested. Then it starts to pick up, and I think where it really really picked up was Christian hit this huge sunset flip power bomb on Kenny off of the turnbuckle, and it was. Oh my God, it had to be the cleanest Sunset Flip Powerbomb I've ever seen in my life. And then that just started <clears throat> this whole second half of this match where they're just trading all these big moves. Christian hits that reverse DDT that used to be his finisher early on in his career. Kenny hits the Snapdragon a couple times, hits a couple of V-triggers. At one point, goes for Kreutz Wrath, but Christian blocks it. Christian, uh, you know, just several attempts at the Unprintier. Uh, or I guess he's calling it the kill switch now. Kenny, several attempts at uh, at the one-winged angel, which Excalibur, it's one-winged angel. Get that winged shit out of here. I can't, oh God, that's just a pet peeve of mine. I cannot, st he's the one person that calls it winged. I can't name another commentator off the top of my head that calls it the one-winged angel. That just sounds stupid. Uh, anyway, <laughs> back to the match. Uh, we're getting close to the end of the match here, and the Young Bucks come out to the ring as Don Callis is distracting Brian Hebner. And I immediately, this is the first time in this entire match, I started to get aggravated. I I was like, look, let's just, these guys can beat each other clean. Like, we're talking about a legend versus 
one of the hottest wrestlers in the world right now. We don't need distractions. We don't need disqualifications. And they come in and they slide a chair into the ring. Kenny goes to do the one-winged angel, winged Excalibur, uh, onto the chair. Christian reverses it. Kill switch. Kenny Omega's face straight into the chair. Christian wins. I was pretty shocked. You know, I, I was pretty shocked. I thought about it a little bit more, and we'll talk about impacts, something that they did this week a little bit later on in this episode, and I'll, I'll explain how it, it does make a lot of sense to put it on Christian. But initially, whenever I first saw this, I was kind of shocked because Kenny's been pretty unstoppable since beating Moxley for the AEW title. And maybe this is going to start just showing the chinks in the armor of Kenny Omega, I guess. Maybe this is... What's going to start him losing all those belts? I know he's got a match coming up soon with uh, Andrade for that that AAA title. I don't know. Uh, I do. I did like the match a lot, though. Um, like I said earlier, I love Christian to death, and I'm glad Christian was was featured prominently on the show like he was. And this was definitely a big win for him because I feel like he hasn't done a whole hell of a lot since coming to AEW, and this was a really big thing for him. But just with it being an Impact title, I feel like the Impact stars, one of them really needs that rub. Because where I think Impact, where I think their weakest point on their show is, is their main event scene. Especially since Kenny Omega came to town because they've kind of proven that nobody there can hang with Kenny. Rich Swan can't hang with Kenny. Moose can't hang. Sammy Callahan can't hang. I was kind of expecting they were going to start putting Eddie Edwards back in that role of the white meat babyface knight in white shining armor for Impact and have him beat uh, Kenny for that Impact title. I thought that's where they were going to go. I guess I was wrong. I know that he lost on a pay-per-view recently, and that kind of that was whenever I was like, okay, well, I guess they're not going to do what I thought they were going to do. But yeah, I, I think that Impact really needs that rub because I think that their their mid-card scene is great. Their women's division is one of the best in the world. But yeah, their main event scene just... Those guys could use the rub. We'll see what this means for Impact. We will talk a little bit more about that later uh, because there were some implications on Impact's show this week about who will be next in line for that title. But yeah, Christian wins the Impact Championship. And it was a great match. Whenever I do reviews, full-on reviews of an episode like this, I'm gonna I'm gonna grade the matches. You know, I, I think that that's fun. I'm not gonna do a star rating. I'm just gonna do letter grades. And for me personally, I give this match an A minus. Uh, the only reason I give it an A minus instead of an A is because I didn't like the ending with the Bucks. I just I think this could have been done clean. I just if I was booking it, I would have had this done clean because I don't think that. It's a stretch to say that Christian can beat Kenny Omega. Christian's fantastic. I don't think that that's a stretch, thinking that he could beat Kenny Omega clean. I do like what Christian did, and later in a backstage interview with Mark Henry, Christian said that, you know, as hard as it was to beat Kenny for this Impact title, he knows that he is also the number one contender at All Out for the AEW title. And he says, as hard as it was winning this belt, it's going to be damn near impossible winning the AEW title. And I do like how he did that. You know, like He's like saying that Kenny's got a whole nother gear that I didn't even see tonight. But yeah, all, all in all though, great match. The crowd absolutely ate it up. Yeah, it was fantastic. Moving on from that, we had the TNT title on second. I was hoping this match was going to close the show. 
And I'll talk a little bit more about that whenever we talk about the ending of the match. It makes sense that you have Britt Baker closing the show, obviously, with being where they are. You know, we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. But anyway, it, it's a fairly simple match. Miro versus Fuego Del Sol. Fuego has been with the company since the beginning of the pandemic era. He's got a record going into this match, a record of 1-39. in Kind of weird that he got this TNT title match, you know, with a record of 1-39. in But the deal was, if you can beat Miro for that TNT title, we'll give you a contract. And I think a lot of people have been clamoring for it just because Fuego has proven to be a very, very hard worker, proven to be a great hand who will, who's willing to do anything for that company. And I think wrestling fans, especially the, the quote-unquote smarter wrestling fans, which is, I think, a good bit of the AEW audience, they understand that a guy like Fuego is very important for anybody's roster. You need that guy that you can slot anywhere on the show and anytime you need him to do anything, he can do it. That's Fuego, 100%. I've got a lot of respect for that guy. He's very talented in the ring and he is the definition of a good hand. And he gets this title match with Miro. One of the first things I noticed as Miro's coming out, Miro looks amazing. I think that he's probably in the best shape that he's ever been in. Uh, And also, that TNT title is gorgeous. They've had four different iterations of the belt. The original unfinished one that Cody won with the red leather and the silver plates. Then they finished that one red leather with gold plates, which they retired that version of it uh, for Brody. Then they had the black with the gold plates. And then they replaced that once Miro became champion with this white strap one with, with, it's got, it looks like it's got some green accents on it. And this is a beautiful belt. I think that this this is how that belt should have been envisioned in the first place. It's absolutely gorgeous. And yeah, I hope they don't change it anymore. I think a lot of people were thinking there for a while that they were probably going to do like the the early 90s Ultimate Warrior IC and world title thing where like it's a different strap for, you know, different different wrestlers. But uh, yeah, I, don't, I hope they don't do that. This is an absolutely beautiful belt and it looks great on Miro. They start the match... Fuego hot out of the gate. He hits, I think, three Tornado DDTs in a row. Cub one or two of them before the bell even rings. The crowd, once again, eating this up. He hits that last Tornado DDT. Miro kicks out. Miro immediately takes control. Big super kick. Does the accolade. I don't know what he's calling it now. I I didn't hear it on commentary. I'm sure he's not calling it the accolade anymore. Pulls him all the way back. Fuego immediately taps out. And that's it. That's the match. I want to talk about how I would have booked this match personally. I, A, would have had it at the end. I understand with Britt Baker, this is her town. It's Britsburg. You want her going on last. That crowd's going to be hot no matter what. Like, you can't even say that if you have Britt going on in the middle that the crowd's going to be dead by the time you get to the main event. That's a big concern for a lot of markets like this. I don't think that would have been the case because this crowd loved Fuego Del Sol. I would have actually would have made the Red Velvet and Britt Baker match a little bit more of a squash than it was and then have this match going at the end. I would have given them 10 plus minutes, would have started it the same exact way. Fuego gets really hot out of the gate, but Mira takes control toys with Fuego for about eight minutes or so. Fuego starts to get life again, maybe even hits one more DDT. Miro kicks out at the absolute last second, puts on that submission, and I would not have had Fuego tap out immediately because I think that it helps with that babyface shine if you see him fight through it for a little bit. But then, you know, of course, knowing there's no way he gets out of it, then taps out. Him tapping out the second he gets put in it, I don't know, like that... 
I don't want to say it killed it for me. I personally would have done it differently. And then I did have what they did at the end of this match. Tony Khan came out with Sammy Guevara, sent Sammy to the ring, and gave Fuego a contract anyway. I would have done that 100%, no matter what. I was actually, me and my wife were watching the show together, and I was telling her about what I would have booked, and I said, I would book this in the main event. I'd do it the exact way that I just said. And then I said, no matter what the outcome, I would give him a contract anyway because he deserved it. I'm glad that they did do that. Fuego Del Sol is all elite, finally. But for me personally, not a whole lot of substance in this match. The only thing that saves it really is... uh, the hot start from Fuego, and the crowd ate it up, the entirety of it, and I give it a C-, minus. but that's not to say that Miro or Fuego aren't capable, because we all know that they are. This match just, it wasn't what I think it could have been. After the match, you see Sting and Darby Allen in the rafters. I felt like I was seven years old again, seeing Sting in the rafters. That's so cool. You know, I've, uh, I've never seen Sting in person. I know that he is scheduled to appear at WrestleCade in North Carolina later this year. I do plan on going to that show. I have a, I've got the NWO Red and Black Sting Funko Pop that's worth like $100. I'm going to bring that with me and get Sting to sign it. But I would love to go to an AEW show that Sting's on. That would be huge for me. Like As a kid, I wasn't a big WCW fan. I was more of a WWF kid. But I had my favorites in WCW, and Sting was definitely top of the list. And he was one of those guys that like I just wished I could have gotten the WWF as a kid during that invasion. But moving on from that, we go into the main event of the show. They open up with this interview between Baker and Red Velvet before they start kind of weird it was edited kind of weird because like there was parts where like there was a part where Britt was doing the dmd thing and it kind of cut her off before it got finished and just the camera cuts were it it was weird i don't know it just it was edited poorly i'm trying to find a way to describe it but it feels like they just trimmed off certain parts for timing and it, it just looked jarring and once again mark henry doing the interview i love mark henry to death i actually really liked him on commentary not fantastic in interviews. Obviously, that is something you can learn how to do, and if he does stick with it, I'm sure he'll be great. But that was just something that stuck out to me on this on this first show. Mark Henry's not fantastic in interviews. Going into the main events, both women make their way to the ring. Britt Baker just everything about her presentation. She she looks like a million bucks. Everything from her gear, her facial expressions, her just just the the aura that she presents everything about her is money. I very much put her and Deanna Parazzo and impact kind of in that same category where they are both just stars and they know it good match. A lot of focus on Brit's injured arm. I don't know the extent of how hurt Britt Baker is. I want to understand the arm was fractured. If I'm not mistaken, I hate whenever they target, joints that like you know are injured obviously if she was too hurt they wouldn't have let her have the match but just that 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 stuff always makes me cringe but that was a big focus throughout this match but regardless of that there was a lot of back and forth between red velvet and brit that crowd would not fold anytime red velvet got on offense they booed their asses off and then they turned it around the second that brit got on offense 
and I think they played to the crowd very, very well. Both women did a fantastic job. They both understood the assignment. The story going in through this is Britt Baker can't get in the lockjaw because her arm's fucked up. So what does she do? She does the obvious thing. She just puts it in on the other side and then uses the good arm to, to get the lockjaw on. Britt Baker wins the match. It was a standard affair. Nothing super flashy throughout this match. But once again, like I talked about earlier, the crowd made this. I give the match a B- minus for that. I, it would have been lower if it wasn't for the crowd. They love Britt Baker, and they weren't going to fold. Fantastic on their part. Uh, after the match, Chris Statlander comes in to stop Britt Baker from beating up on Red Velvet. Then a returning Jamie Hayter comes out. Looks completely different. I had no idea who it was at first. Because it, 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 Excalibur was kind of stumbling on commentary to say who it was. And I think the crowd didn't know who it was either because this was kind of met with crickets. This crowd who had been extremely hot all night long were sitting on their hands during this segment because they were all trying to figure out who it was. Did she do more than just dye her hair? Because I don't know. Like, I, I couldn't tell that it was Jamie Hayter. I actually had to Google, oh, yeah, she does have blonde hair now. I think if people knew that it was Jamie Hayter, it would have been met with more of a reaction because she is a very good wrestler. We just haven't seen her in a long time. But yeah, so I guess we've got that to look forward to on the next week's episode of Dynamite. Uh, I'm, I am glad that Jamie Hayter is back. Um, so yeah, all in all, Rampage, I'm giving it a B. A very strong episode right out of the gate. And yeah, next week they're in Chicago. A lot of rumors on what's going to happen on that show. And we're going to talk about that right after this quick break. If you would like to support the show, head on over to ProWrestlingTees.com slash Rob Weathers, where you can pick up one of several t-shirt designs, including the brand new main event heat podcast shirt. That's ProWrestlingTees.com slash R-O-B-W-E-A-T-H-E-R-S. ProWrestlingTees.com slash Rob Weathers. Welcome back to main event heat. Like we just talked about, uh, a little bit earlier in the show, Rampage, Night One, Pittsburgh. It was a very good show, very entertaining show. Next week, AEW's going to Chicago, and there is a lot of speculation that this trip to Chicago will bring out somebody that people have been clamoring for for the last seven years, CM Punk. My opinion on this whole thing, I'm going to try to get through this as quick as I can because I can rant about this for a while. Let it go. <laughs> I Look, I loved CM Punk too. He brought a lot of lapsed wrestling fans back to the WWE, including me. Let's let it go, guys. It's been a long time. We keep doing this. Every time AEW goes to Chicago, there's the CM Punk chance. I don't think he's going to show up. You know, and a lot of people have just fueled it even more whenever, oh, he was in a TV show recently and he just so happened to play a wrestler. That means he was training. He's ready to go to AEW. Look, I'm not saying it's impossible. I could eat my words very much. He could debut at Rampage or Dynamite or All Out very soon. And I could eat my words and look like an asshole. And I'm fine with that if, if, if it happens. But on a personal level, I don't really want it. That trip to the UFC, I'm going to be honest with you guys, kind of killed it for me. 
if anything, it proved just how goddamn hard-headed CM Punk is. He fucking knew better. He should not have went straight to the UFC. If he really wanted to be a mixed martial artist, he should have had a couple of amateur fights. Brock Lesnar didn't even go straight to the UFC. And Brock Lesnar's a freak athlete. He could have made it work. But he didn't even go straight to the UFC. He at least got a win elsewhere before he did. CM Punk didn't, didn't do that. And he looked like an idiot, honestly. He really did. He, he trained with one of the greatest striking coaches in the world and Duke Rufus. He trained with former UFC champions Anthony Pettis and Tyron Woodley. And whenever it was time for those matches to start, it looked like he didn't really learn anything because he was made a fool in both fights. And if you didn't see those fights and you go and look at his Wikipedia page, you say, but Rob, the second fight, it went to a the, the third round. It went to a judge's decision, if I'm not mistaken. Clearly he learned something that he was able to last for 15 minutes. No. No, he didn't. Mike could have ended that fight at any time. He was just toying with, with Punk the entire fight. Dana White actually cut Mike Jackson because of that, because he was just dicking around the whole fight. Um, but yeah, that kind of that kind of ruined the shine of CM Punk for me, personally. So I don't care to see him in a wrestling ring again. That's not to say that I dislike CM Punk. He was very, very important to the world of professional wrestling. Like I said earlier, brought back a lot of laps fans to the WWE. His time in Ring of Honor was fantastic. Even his time in early TNA was good shit. Very talented in the ring. Even more talented on the microphone. But, uh, yeah, I don't care. I don't care anymore, guys. Uh, and, I'm, and I'm just kind of flabbergasted that so many other people do. Daniel Bryan, on the other hand, I think it'd be really cool if he popped up in AEW. You know, I, I think that he spent a lot of time in WWE just trying to do more of the stuff that he wanted to do, trying to do more of the stuff that appealed to him. And they, you know, were always kind of hesitant to give that to him. But I think if he went to AEW, I think he'd be happy. They would give him the matches that he wants and he would be able to perform the way that he wants to perform. That would be really cool. But yeah, CM Punk, I don't care to see it personally. Now, if they brought him in as an analyst or something, that would be cool. Because he can still talk with the best of them. But as far as in-ring, I just don't care anymore. It would be a big deal. It'd be a huge deal. It would break the internet. I don't know. I'm in the minority for that. I know. Feel free to bury me over at maineventheat at yahoo.com. But let's move away from AEW for a second. We'll talk, uh, I'm sure next week's episode, we'll talk a little bit about the fallout of the next Rampage. Let's see if CM Punk does show up. I'm not cutting this out, guys. I could cut this out and we could act like I never said this. And then whenever he shows up next week, I could be like, ah, I told all along I was thinking he was going to be there. I'm not going to do that, guys. I'm totally fine with looking like an asshole. Ask Rocky Romero. He thinks that I already am an asshole. Anyway, moving on. Speaking of Rocky Romero, New Japan has got a show coming up. Uh, I'm filming this right now, Saturday, August 14th. I believe the show is tonight. So by the time this episode comes out, this will already have happened. But New Japan Strong is having their first big pay-per-view show called Resurgence in Los Angeles, California at The Torch. Uh, a lot of really fun matches. I've got the card up in front of me right now. A lot of really fun matches. Uh, I think some of the standouts, the tag team Turbulence winners, the Big LG and the Machine Gun are going to be going against John Moxley and a mystery partner. We could speculate really quick who that could possibly be. I think a lot of people want it to be Shooter because Shooter was John's personal young lion whenever he had his first tour in New Japan a couple of years ago. I think that Shooter can't get out of the UK. I think that that's been established, so it can't be him. 
I don't know the truth of that. That's all just word of mouth stuff. I have no idea what Shooter's actual status is. But it would be really cool if it was him and Moxley. I, I think that a lot of fans would want to see that. Who could it be? Maybe Nick Gage, possibly. I don't know. You know, he popped up in AEW recently. Just lost his belt to to Matt Cardona and GCW. Uh, Nick Gage has been doing stuff. It could be him. Him and Moxley obviously have their past. I don't know who it could be, but I'm sure whoever it is, I'm sure it's going to be a big deal. I I don't think I'm going to get the show, but actually, if the show is streaming on on New Japan World, which I don't know if it is. If it is, I'll watch it tonight because I do have New Japan World. But yeah, I, I think that's the match that I'm the most interested in on this show. Uh, outside of that, looking at this, there is later in the night, there's a big five-on-five match where looks like Leo Rush, Brody King, Chris Dickinson, Fred Yehi, and Yuya Yamura are wrestling Tom Lawler, J.R. Kratos, Danny, Danny Limelight, Jarrell Nelson, and Royce Isaacs. That's probably going to be really fun. I do like those big tag team matches. Uh, I prefer elimination style matches. Kind of odd to me. I think, if I'm not mistaken, Tom Lawler is the New Japan Strong Openweight Champion. Kind of odd to me on this big show, they're not going to have him defending that belt. I haven't kept up with Strong, so I don't know what the story is going into any of this. Uh, I think Leo Rush should be wrapping it up soon after this. I know that he announced he was retiring, but he was going to finish out his dates with New Japan. I think this should be the last one. If not, it's close to the last one. Nothing but respect to Leo Rush. I hope that he finds happiness outside of wrestling. Moving on after that, uh, Moose is wrestling Tomohiro Ishii. That's going to be cool. Ishii kind of the, the hard man of New Japan. Moose the hard man of Impact. I've had the pleasure of seeing Ishii wrestle live. That's a that's a tough son of a bitch. I'm sure that's going to be a fun match. Then you got double main events. Jay White defending the never open weight title against David Finley. I'm sure that's going to be good. And then you've got Lance Archer defending the U.S. title against Hiroshi Tanahashi. Who knows? That's going to be a fun main event. I kind of hope Tanahashi wins. I don't. I don't really know much what to think about this. I used to keep up with New Japan a lot. I haven't really kept up with them recently, but I, I am interested in this show. You know, by the time, obviously, like I said, by the time this episode drops, this this show will already be over. Maybe if I do watch it, I might talk about it a little bit on next week's episode. But this this has me intrigued. I know that Strong has Strong was a big deal for New Japan. A lot of those, the the American talent that worked for New Japan that was unable to travel to Japan during lockdown. This gave them a home, and this gave them a place to work. I, I absolutely love that. So congratulations, New Japan Strong. I hope that this show is a success. And moving on from New Japan, another company that's got something big coming up is the WWE. Uh, once again, been very open on the show. Don't really watch the WWE very often, but I will catch a big pay-per-view every once in a while. I am not 100% sure about the stories leading into SummerSlam, but looking at the card, Roman Reigns is defending the Universal Championship against John Cena. John Cena, this timing was perfectly as the Suicide Squad just recently came out. I watched it. I think it was better than the first Suicide Squad movie, but I also don't think that it was award-winning in any sense. I, I did not hate it whatsoever, but I also wasn't super high on it, but John Cena was definitely a high mark. Uh, he did a really good job as Peacemaker. And I'm sure he is not beating Roman Reigns for this this Universal Championship. I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again. But yeah, I just don't see Cena doing that. But this is a big deal, though. It's kind of a stark contrast from the last time that Cena and Reigns faced each other. Reigns is now a heel. 
and I think he's gotten a lot better at talking, at least since the last couple of times I saw the show. He's got Paul Heyman with him, which I don't think he needs Paul Heyman whatsoever. But, uh, but yeah, we'll see what happens there. WWE Championship match, Bobby Lashley defending against Goldberg. Oh, Jesus Christ. I already wasn't a Goldberg fan as a kid. I think I saw through the facade pretty early on as a wrestling fan. Like, oh, this guy only seems to know how to do three moves. I wonder why that is. Well, <laughs> Goldberg, I do have a lot of respect for, obviously. And I'm sure if I met him in person, I'm sure he's a really cool guy. But there's no need for this whatsoever. I think at this point, the fans are tired of it. The fans are probably going to boo Goldberg's ass off. The Usos defending the SmackDown Tag Team Championships against the Mysterios, Ray and Dominic Mysterio. I haven't watched anything of Dominic and Ray tagging up. I'm sure that for Ray as a father, that's a huge deal to him to be able to team up with a son. That seems really, really cool. I love the Usos. They're a very talented team. Edge versus Seth Rollins. That's neat. I'm sure that's going to be a really good match. Both of those guys, very, very good. Kind of a similar thing like we just had on Rampage that we talked about earlier in the episode with Kenny Omega, one of the best in the world right now, going against Christian. I kind of get a similar vibe here, Seth Rollins versus Edge. I'm sure that's going to be a really good match. Uh, I'm not crazy about any of Seth Rollins' character stuff. I feel like that's kind of where he's always faltered for me, is just his his character work I've never thought was that good. I didn't think he was a very good babyface. I didn't think he was, like, as far as promos and shit goes, I didn't really like him as a heel. Like, he just, I just didn't want to see him. I would fast forward anytime he had to cut a promo. But as a wrestler, dude's untouched. He's a fantastic wrestler. And I kind of feel the same way about Kenny Omega. I can't stand it whenever he cuts promos. I'll, that's whenever I walk out of the room and take a piss. But as far as being a wrestler goes, fantastic. Yeah, that's a that's a cool dynamic they've got going on here. Like I said, very, very reminiscent of what we just saw on Rampage. I'm interested in this. It is SummerSlam, so there's probably going to be some surprises here and there. I might, I might check this out. I believe this show is next week. Yes, August 21st. So I'll check. Is, is that a Saturday? That's a Saturday. I wonder why it's not going to be on Sunday. That's that's odd, huh? WWE's always been a Sunday pay-per-view. If you guys have the answer for that, hit me up on Twitter or email me, maineventheat at yahoo.com. I don't know why they're running on Saturday. That's interesting. Moving on from WWE, let's talk about a show that I actually did watch this weekend. I'm sure you guys are tired of me sharing my opinions on shit that I don't watch. Something I did watch this weekend was Impact. I think that Impact had a very good show this weekend. A couple of the highlights for me, John Schuyler made his debut and rolled up Matt Cardona for the win. John Schuyler is a guy that I've had the chance to work with since I got into the business. He's been on almost every single show that I've done as a commentator and ring announcer. And he's fantastic, guys. He is the current Lariato heavyweight champion, and he's the champion for a reason. I got to call him doing two fantastic matches with Rich Swan. I really hope that they have a third because Rich won the first and John won the second. I really love to see a rubber match between those two. My first match I ever called was John Schuyler versus Johnny Swinger. I love that guy. I nothing but respect for John Schuyler. I'm so happy for him getting this opportunity and impact and getting a win right out of the gate. And he looked great. He did that amazing slingshot spear. He did that big flying knee and for the roll up. I, I love John Schuyler. I, I can't say enough good things about him. I'm so happy that he's an impact 
and I can't wait to see what what they do with him here in the future. That guy just he understands professional wrestling on a whole nother level. If you guys don't know about John Schuyler, watch Impact. This guy's gonna be great. I, I guarantee it. And after that, the main event of the show, they had a big battle royal to determine the number one contender for the Impact title. Brian Myers won by last eliminating, I believe it was Moose and Chris Sabin. Things are starting to make a lot of sense now. We talked earlier about I thought it was kind of weird. Christian winning against Kenny Omega for that Impact title. But whenever you think about what happened the night before on Impact and Myers winning this Battle Royal, it starts to make sense. Myers versus Omega would have been heel versus heel. Obviously, you can do heel versus heel. There's This is not 1985. You can do whatever you want to do. But face versus heel for a championship kind of the way to go and this makes a lot more sense so yeah brian myers is going to be taking on christian at emergence that is coming up next week friday august 20th uh i don't know if this has already been filmed i don't think it has i know that they they're going to be filming some some matches here in the next few days as i'm recording this brian myers getting that shot at the heavyweight title face versus heel the way it, it probably should be makes a lot of sense when you think about it. Uh, yeah, I'm really curious. I'm I'm more curious about what happens on this show than I've been with a lot of stuff that's been going on in Impact. So yeah, congratulations, Brian Myers. I kind of hope he wins. I think he deserves it, uh, and it would put that Impact title back in Impact, which would be neat. Now let's talk about something a little bit closer to home. We were talking about all the all the major professional wrestling companies and all the cool stuff that they have going on in the month of August. Let's talk now about Championship Wrestling from Atlanta. This is a promotion being headed up by Dave Marquez of Championship Wrestling from Hollywood and NWA fame. This show is going to have a plethora of fantastic talent. You have The Awakening, formerly known as The Ascension, Drama King Matt, formerly known as Aiden English, Chris Dickinson, every member of Overkill, Zicky Dice, Danny Jordan, Ashton Starr, David Ali, and Carly Bravo. You've got Logan Creed, Dean Alexander, Shug D, and so much more. So much amazing talent, not just here in the state of Georgia, but in the world of professional wrestling in general. Center Stage, guys. This is going to be filmed at Center Stage in Atlanta, one of the most famous wrestling venues in the world. This show is going to be September 2nd. This, I, I'm looking forward to this show a lot. This is going to be such a big deal for not only the city of Atlanta, but for professional wrestling as a whole. The show will be airing on Peachtree TV in Atlanta. I'm not sure. I'm sure they have to have, they've got to be on Fight TV or something in the future because the rest of the world needs to see this. I will absolutely be in attendance. I cannot wait to see this. Just, just, just big things coming out of the city of Atlanta. Yeah, I can't wait. And that'll wrap it up for this week's episode of Main Event Heat. What did you guys think? If you have any opinions on any of the shows that we talked about on this, please feel free to email me at maineventheat at yahoo.com. I'd love to know what you're thinking. If you'd like to follow me on social media, you can find me at SweetSexyRob on both Instagram and Twitter. And if you would like to support the show, please go over to ProWrestlingTees.com slash RobWeathers and pick up a t-shirt. And until next time, Thanks for hanging out. <clears throat>